0: Hello and welcome to Heroes Unmasked, staff stories from Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust with me, Caroline Verdon. Here's a question for you What do champion fencers, award winning sheep farmers, and professional rugby players have to do with Leeds Teaching Hospitals? Answer They all work for the hospitals. This series goes behind the scenes to meet directors, doctors, support staff and everyone in between to find out who the people behind the masks really are. Hello, welcome to our penultimate episode in series one. Uh, please do make sure you follow, uh, click rate, give us a little review. That'll be lovely. On this week's episode, we speak to Karen Mitchell. Now, she's the head of corporate and health records at Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust. And what's really interesting about Karen is that she found her way to Leeds and the NHS via, quite literally, the rest of the world.
1: I think most people don't realise that I've had this previous career before the NHS, so I've kind of travelled all over in Asia, China, Hong Kong, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur. I did a lot of Africa, Dubai, Sweden. I did one trip that I actually flew to Singapore for one night, Kuala Lumpur for one night, Penang for three nights, Bangkok for three nights. Then I went to China, to Shenzhen, and I was there for a week and then came back via Hong Kong.
0: That must have been
1: both exhausting
0: and exhilarating, I imagine.
1: I I think, luckily, I'm somebody who loves meeting people. And so I have really absolutely loved meeting all the different cultures and people.
0: I mean, it all sounds really glamorous. Was was that the
1: case? I don't. And I I did get attacked in South Africa, unfortunately. I'd hired a car. And I was tired and I'd been travelling for like... 10 hours, and you know, and I stopped at a traffic light, which in the UK you have to do, but in South Africa you don't do at night. And I hadn't, because I wasn't, you know, as, as with it security wise as though it normally would be. Um, and they smashed the window and got my handbag, but my, my fingers got caught in the bag and they smashed it into the glass, unfortunately. <sighs> So it was. I was cut right across, and but anyway, luckily I got to my cousin, and she took me to the hospital, and I got all sorted out.
0: Because it's things like this, isn't it, that I I think quite often we don't realise when we go to different countries that there are all these other unwritten rules.
1: Because I'm African, you know, I, I kind of have always grown up with that. Mm. So so I think that's given me a good insight into that but the thing is you're also human and I was tired and you know so you you can still do the wrong things and I think that's the difference that you need to realize when you're traveling I, I think what really got to me was when I got attacked is how vulnerable you actually are you know as a woman on your own at night you injured you know at least I could still drive and I managed to get myself where I needed to go. But it could have been a lot worse. Mm. You know, that's the only real negative that I could say. You know, I've, I had been a bit, a bit nervous every now and again. Mm. But uh, I think a lot of my travelling I did with colleagues, which makes it a lot nicer and more fun.
0: And when you went to these countries, were you able to truly experience them and to see things that they had to offer or, or was it strictly work
1: you never see much it's an it's another boardroom and another hotel room and you know unfortunately if, if you don't have those kind of shows to go to in five days you don't get to see as much as you know you would like to being on a plane waiting for a plane you know being on a 12-hour flight Long, long flight. It's <laughs> not glamorous at all.
0: So, um, as you said, you know, you you, you grew up in South Africa. Um, what was it that made you decide to come to the UK? What was what was the driving force?
1: I, I think because I had British British and Dutch citizenship, um, and and to be honest, I wasn't looking. Specifically, I did actually look at an opportunity in, in Holland as well. which a company called Audeta. Um, But the, they didn't have the right level of post for me at that stage. So, you know, I kind of went where the best offer was and I didn't know anybody. Not a soul. I'd never heard of Salte or Leeds or <laughs> where else go. going. And how old
0: were you at the time? Forty four. Wow, that's quite a brave decision, then, isn't it? To at forty four to to make the move, and you have children.
1: Yes, so but they were nineteen and seventeen at that stage.
0: And did they come with you? Did they?
1: What, no, so so my elder son was in the football academy, and he had to stay there until I think he had commitments until the March because he was under contract. And my younger one said to me, he he'd been at the same school his old. school schooling so he was in his 12th year absolutely loved the school and he said please mom I would really really like to finish school you know where I am so he stayed with my ex-husband for the rest of that year so but he did come across for holidays so I moved Mm -hmm. in the November my eldest son moved in the March and my younger son although he I think he came twice that year. He only really moved in the September. So you really
0: did make, make the move?
1: I did all the most stressful things all at once. Yeah. Separated from my husband, left my children, started a new, very, very senior stressful job. Yeah. In a so, different country
0: yeah. in, with in, no
1: no support network. Quite something.
0: I mean, I imagine it must have been extremely difficult.
1: It was. So I, I kind of got sort of involved in the, in the job. You know, it was kind of immediate and it was really, really busy. The company was growing exponentially and it, it was really crazy, crazy times. So I'd had a really tough day. I think I'd, I'd started at eight and it was half past eight and I was walking up the road because I was just renting this, this room with the broken mirror and awful furniture. And it was pouring with rain. It was freezing cold. And I just burst into tears and thought, what am I doing? (laughs) So, yeah, I had some moments like that. But um, I think I found out a couple of days later that I had 10 days holiday and immediately booked a flight to South Africa for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what kind of kept my sanity.
0: And and was it tricky then, though, making that decision to come back after those 10 days? Was there part of you that thought, you know what? I could just stay here. I'm
1: very focused when I make that decision, I give 100%. I, I never, ever thought about failing because I couldn't. Everybody was relying on me. That's an amazing
0: mindset to have because so many of us, I think, think, oh, but what if I fail? But what if I fail? And it pre- prevents you from taking that next step. But to just push yeah. through that and say, no, not an option, let's go for it.
1: No, it wasn't an option, to be honest. You know, luckily it all worked out.
0: So your boys came over. You got yourself a new job working for the NHS. Tell me a little bit about the job that you do.
1: So I'm head of um, corporate and health records. So I think the big change that's had to happen is everything is was on paper until COVID hit, because the the trust made the decision that we were going to go paperless, and you know because of transmission issues and all that kind of thing. So. The setup was already here, but they just had to expand it like overnight and literally overnight that this team just moved into action, put everything in place, made sure that they had all the scanners going. And then they, there's a lot of prep work that goes into scanning that people don't really realize. You know, if you get a big record, you know, it's got a little flimsy piece of paper, it's got labels, it's got the blood thing that's been filled in and that that's not, really conducive to scanning. So we have a whole team that sits and preps and makes sure that everything can be scanned and is set in the right areas. So it was a huge challenge for them because also nobody really looked into the record from the, the medical record side because we just filed it in the library and, and that was it done until it was requested again. Whereas now when you're actually looking at prepping and doing everything you need to, you then find mixed patients, you know. So there's a whole new process that had to come into play to make sure that things were more accurate and they were done properly.
0: How does it work? How how long do you keep records? So all,
1: all health records have different retention schedules. So, for for instance, like a clinical trial, you have to keep some of them 25 years, some of them 30 years. Most records is, is eight years. So, you know, you, you do have to have very robust processes and procedures in place to make sure it's done properly.
0: So somebody who visited the hospital 30 years ago for a trial, you are still having to make sure like it it that um, how many how many records how many individuals records are you looking at to have to
1: well well we've stored we store quite a lot of them off-site so mm-hmm. we have 1.1 million records off-site currently and then you know we we have at least 400,000 on site here yeah? and that's not the ones that we've scanned
0: oh so how many have you scanned as well
1: well we we do it per sheet so yep. you can't i I can't tell you kind of per record yeah but i mean just this year i think we've we've scanned like 50 million <sighs> images
0: this is a gigantic undertaking yeah
1: so we have a team of 95 we do the prepping and then we have big scanners so we've also just bought um eight super scanners we call them that, you know, are super fast.
0: I suppose by going paperless, as well as preventing the spread of COVID or anything else, it, it must make it easier for staff mm-hmm. to...
1: Quick, a quick access, once it's scanned, it's there forever. You know, anybody can be looking for it. So, you know, previously people would be looking for a file, you know, maybe it was in the office of somebody, you know, it would be tracked out. You know, whereas now they just go on the system and they can find exactly what they want.
0: Has it been surprising for you, having, having worked completely and in, in completely different roles, not worked in healthcare, to, to, to now be in the role that you're in? Has it been surprising to see how it, it works compared to, to other companies and organisations?
1: Absolutely blown me away by how professional and, and well run it is, to be honest. There's definitely been a lack of funding from infrastructure, like with IT and things, you know. So I was quite surprised to see how behind the systems are, but the management that we have now are really working hard to improve that. And, you know, we've had a number of upgrades in the systems, and, you know, but it it really was desperately in need of a boost. <laughs> You know, especially coming from a technology background, I was really surprised at that. And they performed miracles with what they had, to be honest.
0: And so for you, what does your future look like? Are you going to stay within the NHS? Are you going to stay in the UK? What what, what are your plans?
1: No, I'm quite happy to stay with the NHS. I've been very blessed and I've had an amazing career. And I, I think to work for the NHS now, is, is I've been really lucky and I, I love it.
0: And when you um, you look at your lot now with, you know, the job that you enjoy doing and, um, you know, your children here, grandchildren as well,
1: yes, um, I mean, happy that you made the move? Oh, totally. It was the, it was the best. I, I think Africa will always be in my heart. I don't think you can be an African and ever move away from it um, because it, it was just such an amazing time and... and I love the African people, and all you know will always continue to to kind of go back when I can. Yeah, I, I I think I'm very blessed, and I'm very happy that I made the move when I did.
0: So that was Karen Mitchell, head of corporate and health records at Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust. Now, next episode is our final episode of this first series and to make sure that you don't miss it just click follow give us a rating give us a review as well and it means you won't miss out on David Goulding who has the most mysterious job title I've ever come across he is the emergency preparedness and people priorities project lead for abdominal medicine and surgery I have no idea either. Uh, We will find out more about what his job involves, but also about how he very nearly became a professional rugby player. We'll find out about all of that on next week's episode. Heroes Unmasked is an Under the Masked audio production.